You're listening to the Deeper Christian Bible Study Series on Ephesians. Thanks for joining me, Nathan Johnson, in an in-depth, verse-by-verse study of Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Let's dive into the lesson for the day. Welcome to this edition of the Deeper Christian Bible Study Series in the book of Ephesians. Now, if you missed last week's study, we were looking at the overview and the outline of the book itself. And I would encourage you, if you haven't seen it already, to go back and start there, as that will lay a foundation for all of our future studies of where we're heading. Now, as a quick review, Ephesians is split in half. The first three chapters is the theological. It's it's the focus on your position in Jesus Christ, which is the theme of the entire book. And then chapters four through six is the practical outworking. It's the flow of that. This is, okay, now that your position is in Christ, what does that look like lived out day to day on your streets? So obviously we're starting up over over here in the theological section, which is the chapters one through three. And this week we're actually going to be looking at the first two verses in Ephesians, which is the greeting or what I am calling the prologue to the book itself. It's kind of setting the standard or the foundation for where Paul is taking the entire book. So, Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been in a group setting and been introduced to somebody new? In other words, the the host takes you up to somebody new and introduces you to them or introduces you to them and says, hey, Bob, this is Matthew and Matthew, this is Bob. And of course, you know, the host often walks away and and you spend a few minutes getting to know each other. You, You learn where they're from and what they do and hobbies and such things like that. Well, in a general sense, Paul is doing that very same thing here in the book of Ephesians. See, though he has spent three years with the church in Ephesus, he starts the introduction with who he is, who they are, and gives them a warm welcome and a blessing. So listen to these first two verses of the book of Ephesians. Again, this is the prologue or the greeting that Paul gives in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. Paul writes this, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul starts with a basis for his writing. In other words, he says, I am an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. What I want to do is kind of walk through a few of the words with you and kind of give you some insights because I think that'll lay some groundwork or give you some illumination to what Paul is saying here. Now that word apostle, it's used 79 times in the New Testament, 35 of which are specifically in Paul's writings. Now, as you trace the kind of the trajectory of where this word came from, in the ancient classical Greek sense, it referred to this idea of a commander of a naval expedition. In other words, here's this commander of a fleet, and it's referring to, well, he's an apostle. Now, as you move forward in, in history and you look at the Hellenistic period, in the secular society of that day, it the idea of an apostle came to be known as this person who was commissioned and authorized by one of the gods. But as you look at how that word is used throughout the New Testament, it had primarily two different ideas. One, it had this idea of being an eyewitness of the life of Jesus. Or two, this idea of being a a delegate or a messenger. In other words, an ambassador of sorts that was sent forth with orders or a message. So in short, what Paul is saying here is that he was not only an eyewitness to the resurrection of the life of Jesus, as he mentions in Acts chapter 9, but Paul literally was sent He was commissioned with an authority and a responsibility to deliver a message. Now, Paul says that he's not just an apostle. He is an apostle of Jesus Christ. And that word of is a very critical word in the passage. See, that idea of of refers to the source or the focus or the identity of the apostleship. 
So Paul wasn't just any messenger or an eyewitness. See, Paul was an apostle of Jesus Christ. He was sent and commissioned by God himself with a message. See, the entire focus, source, and identity of Paul's life was wrapped up in one single place, Jesus. In fact, Paul says this over and over and over again throughout his writings. For example, Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, Paul says, For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Galatians 2.20, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And you can see this idea all throughout the book of Colossians. See, Paul uses the language in Colossians that Christ is supposed to be in you, which is the hope of our glory. That we are complete in Jesus. That we are to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. Because he is our life and he is to have in all things the preeminence. Isn't that phenomenal? See, Paul's life was all wrapped up and focused upon Jesus Christ himself. See, he was of Jesus Christ. So Paul wasn't being an apostle for God. Rather, he was an apostle of God. See, this speaks of this idea of sourcing. See, Paul was declaring that he was not the source of his own life, that, that, that Jesus was. See, Paul's life was focused upon Jesus Christ. He was resourced by the Holy Spirit, and he was being used by God as a vessel to proclaim a message to a dark and dying world. What a phenomenal life. See, he further emphasizes this idea by declaring that he was an apostle by the will of God. The word will here shows an expression or an inclination of pleasure. Isn't that neat? That there's this expression or an inclination of pleasure toward that which is like, please, or something that creates joy. See, it's interesting. As, as we get into the will of God, do you realize that it's not demanding? See, the will of God is not a thumb in your back and it's that, well, you have to. Hey, break. I mean, come on, get, get with the program. This is not a have to. The will of God is, whoa, it's a get to. And you, as you get into the will of God, it brings about an expression or an inclination of pleasure. Isn't that neat? See, the will of God is a delight. In fact, Paul mentions that in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5. Here's all these blessings. And it says that these blessings are leading up to this, this idea that is according to the good pleasure of his will. That God's will, in the midst of God's will, is good pleasure. Oh, I love that. So Paul says, here I am, I'm an apostle, I'm a messenger, I am an eyewitness, if you will, of Jesus Christ speaking of his position and, and, and the sourcing of his life. Now he transitions then and begins to talk about his audience. And he's referring to, well, he calls them the saints and the believers in Ephesus. In fact, let me just read the passage. He says, to the saints who are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. That word saint in Greek is from the same root word where we get this idea of holy or holiness. In fact, the word itself contains the idea of holding tight to and cherishing purity, holiness, and righteousness. See, it's all about this idea of sacredness. It's, it's getting wrapped up, being physically pure and morally blameless. See, it relates to this idea of purity from defilement, which can be seen all throughout the Old Testament as God commanded the Israelites to abstain from certain things, such as <laughs> dead bodies. But as we move into this understanding of holiness and, and saint, 
See, we begin to see that it, it has this concept of being morally pure, upright, blameless in heart and life, virtuous, holy, and set apart. Now, it's really important to remember that holiness is not a one-time experience. See, we don't just become holy and then we sit back and just kind of live out the rest of our lives. Nor is it we just kind of wait till we die and then, woo, we're considered a saint. See, Paul is really strong on this idea that it's not just a one-time thing, but it's a lifelong movement and progression toward Jesus Christ and into holiness. And you realize that holiness here, we're literally speaking of getting tight with Jesus because he is the Holy One. Now, it's fascinating to point out that these people have not been Christians for very long. And yet Paul calls them saints several times throughout the book. See, saints, this idea of saints and Paul's understanding is not someone who's dead, but someone who's alive and continuing to grow and move closer to Jesus Christ. They are completely focused upon Jesus and they are not being done saintly. Why? Because they continue to need to live and be found in Christ and his holiness. Now, for more geeky people out there like myself, the, the word, the adjective saint in verse one is, is in the dative. Oh, isn't that exciting? Now, the dative here suggests personal interest and shows possession. See, these saints belong to God. Or perhaps a better way to state this is that the saints don't try to be saints. They are being sourced by God and hence they are saints. That the life of God within them is producing the holiness that's coming out of their life. See, their focus and their position is in Christ as they are filled with the Holy Spirit. And once again, like Paul being an apostle, this is not about your position. This is not about you doing something. It's about the resource of your life. See, this is about getting into the person of Jesus and allowing him to produce his life in and through you. Well, to take this one step further, Paul says that he's writing to the saints and the faithful in Christ Jesus. And that word faithful can also be translated believers. Isn't it interesting that Christians are sometimes called believers? Well, well why? Because we are to believe in Christ. In other words, we are to have faith. Uh, let me just give you a simple illustration. See, this idea of faith or to, to believe is not just some mental ascent. I, I imagine I took you up in an airplane and I, and I opened up the side door and said, hey, I, I just want you to look at this beautiful landscape. And as you, as you lean out to look, I come up behind you and go, Poof, and I push you out. Now, as you're, as you're falling through the, through the sky, I grab a parachute and I, you know, I, I chuck it out behind you and, and, uh, and, and here you are, and here's a parachute, and, and I yell out, do you believe in the parachute? And you look up and you see the parachute and you go, yes, I believe. That's not what is being referred to here. See, the idea of belief in, in, in all throughout the New Testament is this idea of not just mental ascent, it's that you're actually grabbing a hold of something. So in our illustration, here you are falling, you see the parachute. It's not you just have a mental belief in the parachute, See, so you just, you know, you kind of make your way over, over to the parachute and you put the parachute on and how would you hold the parachute? Well, I don't know about you, but I'd be holding onto that parachute for dear life. Why? Because it is my salvation. The same thing is true about a Christian's life. The reason we're called a believer, that if you're a Christian, you're called a believer. You're, you're the faithful ones. Why? Because you have put your trust and faith, your belief in Jesus Christ. It's not just I have a mental understanding or a belief in Jesus that he is what I'm clinging to. He is what I hold on to for life and for godliness. Is that true in your life? So do you see that Paul in this prologue 
in this greeting section is giving a simple overview of the entire book of Ephesians. He's saying, hey, my position that, that here I am an apostle of Jesus Christ, that you are believers in Christ Jesus. See, your whole position is wrapped up in one single thing. It's a person named Jesus. Well, look at your life. Is that true of you? Are you of Jesus Christ? Is, is he the source? Is, is he the focus? Is he the identity of your life? Are you truly a saint and a believer in Christ? See, are, are you one who is actually being made holy through this process of sanctification? Have you been like found in Christ Jesus? Do you, do you have his spirit, via the Holy Spirit, living inside of you? See, this is not about attending church on Sundays and checking something off your list. Is your life truly built upon and around Jesus? One of my all-time favorite quotes is from Major Ian Thomas. Ian Thomas often said that the only explanation for our lives is supposed to be Jesus Christ. That, that when someone looks at your life, it's to be utterly inexplainable to the world around us. But then he makes this statement. I love this. Ian Thomas says that the Christian life can only be explained in terms of Jesus. And if your life as a Christian can still be explained in terms of you, whether it be your personality, your willpower, your gift, your talent, your money, your courage, your scholarship, your dedication, your sacrifice, or your anything, then although you may have the Christian life, you are not yet living it. Are you living the Christian life? If so, are you living it out of your own ability or his ability? Is it your wisdom or is it his? Is it your talent or is it his life within you via the indwelling Holy Spirit? See, my desire is that your life would be of Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ. No, I am cheering you on under that end. Well, thanks for joining me for today's study. If you'd like to see an outline of the study or read a commentary version of this passage, you can do so by going to deeperchristian.com forward slash Ephesians and clicking on this study to view the full article and commentary. Also, these weekly studies are available in audio format by subscribing on iTunes, which is now called Apple Podcasts, or by visiting deeperchristian.com forward slash Ephesians. Now, next time, we're going to continue our study in this prologue section found in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. And we're going to be looking at the greeting found in verse 2. It's this, you know, this blessing, if you will. Now, again, if you'd like to join me for this study, I would encourage you to do two things. Number one, read the entire book of Ephesians this week, preferably several times. And number two, consider this question. What is the significance of this grace and peace blessing that Paul is giving his readers in verse 2? Well, until next time, know I am cheering you on as you build your life around Jesus Christ. See you then. Thank you for listening to this study from the book of Ephesians with Nathan Johnson. If you would like additional resources to help you build your life around Jesus Christ, I encourage you to check out my website at deeperchristian.com. This podcast is the audio version taken from my video series in Ephesians. And if you would like to view the video version of this study, you can do so at deeperchristian.com forward slash Ephesians.